Hey. Friends, we're here. Like, we're here. Woo, it feels good. You know, it's that moment where fall is just beginning to fling, right? We're here, and it would actually feel kind of gloriously summer-like if not for, like, the smoky apocalypse happening right now around us. Um, So interesting. So I hope that you had got some clean air to breathe yesterday and that you do today as well. Man, also, even if, like, you nor anyone really close to you technically went back to school this week, like, you still feel it, right? Like, we're, like, back to school, back to work. Uh, Reel it all in, guys. Summer's over, right? Like, we're in that energy. There's a rhythm that comes with that of routine that we're feeling drawn back into as we flip the calendar into September, right? Which means we also get to, like, get back to it here together at Salt House, which is so great. So welcome any guests who might be rolling in, uh, in person here and worshiping from home as you search for a church to find some rhythm with. We're glad that you're here. Folks returning who have been here for a while, so glad to see you. Yay! Some good faces. So glad. So I just, I love this energy of the fall. And as I found myself, sorry, I just noticed Ryan eating popcorn in the front row, and it's awesome. Okay, yeah, yeah, like hanging on every word. <laughs> like, oh. So as I found myself just praying and preparing for our fall together, I was just asking God this question, like, God, like, what do we need right now? Like, what do we need to hear? What do we need to talk about? What could our experience of worship be like together right now in order for you, God, to form us in all the ways that you are forming us? And a few things began to click into place for me. So one of them was this video clip that I saw of Fred Rogers. We know him as Mr. Rogers, yeah? And he was on the Charlie Rose show. So just listen to what he says. I'm very concerned that our society is much more interested in information than wonder, in noise rather than silence. How do we do that? I mean, in our business, yours and mine, how do we encourage reflection? I trust that this book will do some of that, but oh my, this is a noisy world. So with like the noise of our world and lives, like for him to say that doesn't just, in those simple words, that doesn't just ring true for us right now. And we know Fred Rogers did not say that about right now, right? This was in 1994, <laughs> right? And so how much more are we people of inf- more of information than wonder, of noise more than silence? How much harder it is to thrive from a place of reflection, right? Then what also clicked for me, I honestly, I just was deeply reminded of how much I just love the story of God. As we flip through the story of God, played out through the noise of God's people through the Bible, how it's this messy yet remarkable story of liberation and redemption and this widening circle of grace and inclusion and hope and possibility and healing and forgiveness that God's kingdom is all around us, right? And so it's, it's what we celebrated and explored this summer in our series on Jesus' parables, right? And the story of God invites us into reflection, invites us to pay attention so that this abundant life that Jesus said he came to share would be something that we see and enter and participate in. So to pay attention to this abundant life so that we come alive, Right? So this is like all clicking in for me. So I'm like, okay, God, cool, cool. So what I'm getting here, like, so we want to pay attention. We want to come alive. 
And I just am like, dang, man, this is, I know what my heart is longing for. Much about the last few years hasn't felt like life and abundance, right? And especially as we are fresh out of the parable sermon series this summer, like we're ready to have eyes to see and ears to hear. So God, how do we build on our journey from this summer and pay attention that we might experience this, experience you, experience life? And the last piece that clicked uh, for me was God's nudge to me that said, find a prophet to pay attention to. And y'all, I did. Just a modern day prophet for us named Cole Arthur Riley. We just heard her voice in our gathering breath prayer that Pastor Ryan led us through. Wasn't that something? And is that prayer still in you? I have nothing to prove. My dignity cannot be diminished. You may be someone who actually knows uh, Cole Arthur Riley's work. Uh, she's the creator of Black Liturgies. Have you heard of that? I know I follow them on Instagram. Am I the only one? Cool. Okay. Um, so Cole created Black Liturgies as a space for black spiritual words of liberation and lament and rage and rest. And Black Liturgies has just become like an IV drip for me these past years during the pandemic, but also during this racial reckoning that we're living through. And through Cole's simple, just crafted words, I would find myself like deeply in myself, you know, present as, all, as well as connected to God. And I've just like breathed and wept my way through her prayers, finding words that I didn't know that I needed at that time. And I've also just welcomed her words and insight and vulnerability, just showing her world as a black queer woman with a chronic illness. Now that's a prophet for today, right? And it's true, Cole Arthur Riley also wrote a book during the pandemic, which opens with her words that we heard about the trees. So it is this here flesh, spirituality, liberation, and the stories that make us. So in this book, she weaves stories together into meditations on discovering the sacred in her skin. And inside the little book cover flap, uh, it says, Arthur Riley boldly explores some of the most urgent questions of life and faith. Okay, I'm not going to stop the voice. But, um, <laughs> but these are the questions that they list. How can spirituality not silence the body but instead allow it to come alive? How do we lament, heal from, and honor the histories we inherit? How can we find peace in a world overtaken with dislocation, noise, and unrest? You guys, like, aren't these the questions for this moment? So Cole, as a prophet through her book, invites us to pay attention. The chapters in This Here Flesh, each one centers on a way to come alive. And she doesn't frame it with that language of coming alive, but we're going to do that because these chapters are ways to come alive, including through wonder, place, belonging, fear, lament, rage, rest, repair, memory. So each Sunday morning this fall, we'll begin by gathering with a still moment to breathe together. These breath prayers invite God into our bodies and to, and to connect us as community. And then we'll turn to the Jesus story and let one or two of these chapter themes, we're just going to let them, these ways that we come of life, help us to slow down and pay attention and see God and what God is inviting us into that we may come alive. And we'll pull from Cole's stories and her insights, quoting her and letting her voice just lead us in this work as our prophet, centering this voice of this black queer contemplative woman. So friends, this fall, do you want to come alive? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because that's where we're heading. And so we're just calling our series simply Ways We Come Alive. Bah. So uh, yeah, to come alive in our bodies 
in the present reality, we find ourselves as beloveds of God. Like, sign me up for that, right? So just to mention, too, that a few of our small groups this fall are planning to read this here flesh. So if your interest is piqued and you want to have some community time with this book, uh, those groups, as well as our other small groups, they'll be kicking off at the start of October. Just an incredible opportunity in any of those groups to come alive together. So this morning, this morning, as we begin this journey, I mean, we're just, we're not going to mess around, all right? You, are, you, are you still with me? Because we're going to open ourselves into not one, but two, two ways to come alive this morning, okay? Man, can you handle that much life? Are you up for that? I know, it's kind of asking a lot. Uh, but it's an incredible gift for us to pursue together as well. So again, friends, let's take a, a breath into these bodies. Just be here in, in this space, in this body because we're diving immediately into the deep end, okay? The first way we come alive is dignity. Bum, bum, bum. So Cole, she begins her first chapter on dignity in this way. A baby bursts out of a great black womb, saying, it is what it is what it is, and he is my father. My grandma used to say, oh, child, when your daddy come out of me, he tried to take his whole house with him. <laughs> he cleaved to her insides like he knew what was his to have. My father was born smooth. He glides and sways when he walks, cuts his hands through the air in meaningful arcs when he talks like he's in a ballet. I've never seen the top of his head because I've never seen him look down. He told me from a very young age, keep your head up, relax those shoulders, look at that skin shine. He told me that black was beautiful. It seemed to me that he was a man who would never think to apologize for his existence. Some people are born knowing their worth. I was an anxious and insecure child. I'd tiptoe around with my shoulders cupped to my ears like a perpetual flinch. I believe my father saw this in me and did what he could to drown out whatever primordial voice had told me to fold up my personhood into something small and negligible. Every morning, he'd squeeze my sister and me in between his legs as he methodically parted our hair and laid grease on our scalps. He'd spend what felt like hours propped up in his chair, leaving us with braids stretching in all directions, barrettes and bollies gripping the thick black curls. When he finished, he would lick both thumbs and press them against our shaggy eyebrows and say, you look good, honey. Do you feel good? This was our ritual, and in time, it formed us. Cole goes on later. From the womb, we must repeat with regularity that to love ourselves is to survive. I believe that is what my father wanted for me and knew I would so desperately need a tool for survival, the truth of my dignity named like a mercy each morning. I cannot say with precision when I came to believe him or if I ever truly have, but the knowledge began with my father and stretches back into God the origin story of the world and the dark and stars that hold it is one of dignity. The divine is in us. The divine is in us. Later, Cole goes on to say, I do not know if God meant to confer value on us by creating us in their own image, but they had to have known it would at least be one outcome. How can anyone who is made to bear likeness to the maker of the cosmos be anything less than glory. This is inherent dignity. 
coal rights. Ooh. We possess inherent dignity for we are made in the image of the maker of the cosmos. Like, we want to come alive? Well, there's a beginning to it in dignity. It is a tool for survival, she says, when we lay claim to dignity that is ours inherently, glory. And, and we know this, right? We know we're made in the image of God, or at least we've been told. And what we also hear ceaselessly, too, though, is about dignity that is bound to our usefulness. Dignity entwined with how much we can do. Like just this week, have you had feelings of lacking, of not doing enough or being enough, of measuring up? This happens as our dignity is entwined wrongfully in our productivity, right? And we absolutely can bear the image of God in what we do by living out our faith in our labor. Our dignity can involve our doing, but it's foremost in our very being, as Cole says, in our tears and emotions, our bodies lying in the grass, our scabs healing. Remember, even Adam bore the image of God before they did a single thing. How remarkable. Then for Adam and Eve, as they chose to eat from the tree against what they were told, and when they hide their own bodies, the conversation we usually have about that moment are about doom and the consequences and the curse imparted by God after humans eat from this tree. Side note, last spring, y'all know, Salt House, we hashed out original blessing as our beginnings, not original sin, so go back if you need to, you know, a little refresher on that. But what I like about what Cole had to say about this, that in Genesis 1 and 2, and even Adam's shame, she points out how no one ever told her the story of a God who kneels and makes clothes out of animal skin. No one spoke to her of the tenderness of that moment. In the garden, when shame had replaced Eve's and Adam's dignity, how God became a seamstress. God took the skin off an animal, which we have to wonder, did God make the first kill of God's own creation? To make something that would allow humans to stand in the presence of their maker and one another again. Wow. Notice how God didn't just tell them, come out of hiding, stop being silly. I'm the one who made you. I've seen every part of you. Don't worry about it, right? God doesn't say that in the story, or at least we don't know if God did. But we do know that God went to great lengths to help them stand unashamed. I wish I had Cole's dad like hanging out in my house with like the fresh mercy every morning, right? That he would be there to smooth my eyebrows and like look into my eyes. Remind me of my inherent worth. Don't you just love that story, that image? Hearing Cole's recollection of her father makes me curious about the words that formed my own sense of dignity, my worth, and yours. Friends, knowing our dignity matters, man, because our, to love ourselves is to survive, and to love ourselves is to thrive and to come alive, right? So who taught you? What were the rituals or even the singular moments that inform your sense of dignity now? So much of mine is a sense of dignity received for what I do. But I'm trying to dig deeper and remember that inherent dignity that I know is mine and when and how I have known it. And I want that for you too. For as I dig, I realize that I do have folks in my life who are like Cole's dad. And man, do I need them. 
Activist John Perkins says, you don't give dignity, you affirm it. I need those dignity affirmers in my life. Like affirming what's already here, glory. And you have those dignity affirmers in your life too, glory, right? Hopefully you hear that affirmation of dignity from me, from Pastor Ryan, from Pastor Zach, and our community at Salt House, and from your own beloveds too. Folks who help you remember to love yourself. And as we keep claiming our inherent dignity, the beautiful reality is that we not only start noticing those who are like Cole's dad, right, in our lives, we realize that we can be like Cole's dad, right? Because we do know that God went to great lengths with Eve and Adam to help them stand unashamed, which is the lengths God goes to for us all. God continues to clothe us in dignity as our identity. And how God speaks that affirmation now is through you and me and anyone who is willing to stop and see and affirm the dignity of another. Inherent dignity. Friends, do you believe it? Do you know it? And with that love of self, remember that it is all-inclusive. Like, nothing is left out, including our bodies. Yeah. Friends, take a look at this glorious body of yours. Look, take a look right now. I'm serious. Man, rub your hands over your legs and your arms. Like, this is your body. I'm, I'm serious. Like, just this is your body. This, this is it. Isn't it glorious? Aren't you glorious? For here is our second way that we come alive, body. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, this God who comes to us in a body of flesh and blood, who was formed in the uterus of a woman who birthed him and fed him from her breast. This gospel, we know of our incarnational God, has been so twisted over the centuries. We have been taught to forget that we are made in the image of God when it comes to our physicality. We're told in the pursuit of the spiritual, it's necessary to become neglectful of the physical. It is Christian escapism. We see it on bumper stickers like, this place is not my home, right? That God is somewhere else waiting for us to evacuate out of this world, out of our bodies. And that's just not it. To come alive in our bodies, it is first an invitation to erase that gap that we've invented between the spiritual and the physical. They exist in the same place of the same stuff. So when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, it is for heaven to come here on earth, right? As in heaven, with the subtext being that the spiritual realm is here. It's enmeshed with the physical, that it is imperceptible as it transforms. It is all becoming heaven. Cole says, we were never meant to dismember our selfhoods. My face is my soul, is my blood, is my glory. When we neglect the physical, it inevitably suffocates the image of God who ate, slept, cried, grew, and healed. When we neglect the physical, it inevitably suffocates the image of God, right? But it's so hard to remember that our bodies are part of this glory too, right? Your body, glory. Maybe that's why Jesus keeps calling us back to his table to remember. Cole says, it is queer and beautiful that we belong to a God who tells us to consume his body and his blood in remembrance. 
What do the body and blood have to do with memory? How do they connect us to the story of liberation? It means something that the Eucharist, this lasting ritual of the presence and memory of God, is a physical nourishment as much as it is spiritual, she says. Jesus sets the table for us with him to join and be nourished by the physical and the spiritual together again and again at the table, receiving them joined. We remember how tending to our bodies is spiritual work. Listening to our bodies is spiritual work. The food and pleasure and exercise and sensations and rest that we experience in our bodies are ways we come alive in the abundant life of Jesus. And I love how science is recognizing this too. Have you seen just the awakening that's happening in like medical world and different research fields around paying attention to our bodies? Learning its sensations, learning its wisdom and the memories our bodies hold. Trauma too. Trauma has been identified as one of the things that affects our genetics. You've probably heard this, that you know, it actually changes our genes and trauma is then passed down to future generations, which means they're saying that in your body, you hold up to seven generations of trauma. What, right? Like who is in there? And also, I mean, also passes on beautiful and positive wisdom and instincts too, like beautiful things get passed on too. We know that we are made up of our histories, which is why we talk about how our stories matter here at Salt House, the Jesus story, our own stories, but our bones and our blood and our tissue carry stories too. Cole Arthur Riley was 26 years old when she became sick. And after dozens of hospitals and hundreds of appointments, she says how she learned that this world has no commitments to her body. No one will try to understand it more than she will. She learned the necessity not only of listening to her own body, but also of fighting for it. She goes so far as to say, we are poorly attuned to one another's bodies. It is a latent evil. Then she says this beautiful truth. To know your own body is a spiritual care and protection. For you to know the body of another is a spiritual union and conciliation. We must become so acquainted with the physical good that when evil, affliction, sickness, and pain come, we can name them with the urgency they demand. There are times when this sacred fidelity to self, full embodied soul self, may keep us from death itself. So friends, how acquainted are you with your body? Take a look at this glorious body of yours. I mean it this time too. Take a look at this glorious body of yours. Rub your hands over her. Let your awareness rest in him. What do you see when you look with tenderness? What do you hear when you are still? Take a moment just to be in your remarkable body. Again, as Cole says, it's a matter of life and death to know our bodies. And begin to ask this glorious body of yours, like what and whose stories do you carry? In what ways do you struggle with your body? How have you silenced your body because of shame or fear or pain? 
What hides in them, in this body, your body? And what would it look like to love your body as it is and to hold a sacred fidelity to self, fully embodied soul self? Cole closes her chapter on body this way. Uh, This way that we come alive in our body. She says, You want to tell me to love God? Ask me when I've last eaten. Come now, do you want me to tell you a prayer? You'll find it in the blood beating from heart to head, to toe and home again. Don't ask me of salvation. Listen to the hum of my chest as I now fall asleep. I cannot see the face of God by rejecting my own. Could it be that our first glimpse of the face of God begins when we dare to see the dignity, beauty, wholeness in our own? That sure sounds like a way for us to come alive. As we close this sermon time, I just ask you to stay with your body and also to get a little curious about what's coming up for you. Like what is coming up in this time? How is God inviting you into life? And to really sit with that until you have an answer, to let God meet you with something for today, a something that moves you on in this way to come alive. Maybe simply just an idea or a word that you want to continue to meditate on, or an insight that that really soothes your soul, or a memory that came up that you want to pay attention to or even cherish, or a new way that you want to live. We want to capture these ways that we come alive, being intentional at the ends of our sermon times, just like naming the things that God is stirring up in us. We want to do that through uh, the Sundays this fall. So you're invited in a few minutes to come and write down a word, to name it and remember it. Um, and uh, how we're going to do that, you can. there's a little cart over there, and there's some strips of cloth there. So write that word or phrase near the end, letting that be your prayer to come alive. And then um, you can come on over to our tree branches and you can tie it to the tree. And then we'll fill this tree with life over the course of the fall. You can also just not write anything. We have some strips of cloth here as well. And you can just get one and you can tie it to the tree. Let that be your prayer to come alive, like a sign of the hope that you have in the abundant love of God. But to intentionally kind of make that gesture um, today. Folks at home, we set up our bulletin page as a place where you can submit your words and we'll write them on cloth for you and tie them. Or if you just like a blank one, we can also tie those for you. Just make an indication of that and submit it. And you are welcome to come and do this and engage with us and as we begin to sing in a few minutes, as well as during our communion time, as well as after worship. So friends, what is God saying to you? Inherent dignity a body that is the dwelling place of God. Can you feel that delight and touch of God today as God soothes your, smooths your eyebrows, looks you in the eye and says, honey, you look good. Do you feel good? Hear it today that you are good and possess inherent dignity because you are made by and in the image of the maker of the cosmos. You have nothing to prove. Your dignity cannot be diminished. Let that land in you today, in your glorious body. For to love yourself is to survive, and to thrive, and yes, to come alive. Amen? Amen. Amen. Friends, let's pray.
God, we thank you that we shine with your glorious image. Thank you for the dignity inherent in the divinity that we bear. God, meet us with your tenderness now. Settle in us what your spirit has spoken through this time, that we may deepen into our dignity, that we may snuggle, snuggle up into your delight, that we with you may come alive. God, we're here. We're listening as we sing. <laughs>